This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 9th, episode 2093, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. That's right, it's Hump Day with your horses in the morning hosts, Jamie, that girl Jennings, and Glenn, the geeky pony guy. Wednesday, Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Jemmy is here with us as well, producing today. And uh, I have, for you two and everybody playing along at home, a little game for you. You, You've heard the saying that everybody has a price, right? Everybody has a price for for different things that they do in life. I want to know what your price is for this, okay? So this was an ad that was... By the way, I have a standard price for these kind of questions, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's never <laughs> nothing. Uh, no amount of money will do. No, no, no. I, no, I have. I've got a number. Okay. I actually, I got asked how much while Hugh Hefner was on the line, how much it would cost for me to pose in Playboy, and I had a number for him. So let's see what. Oh, I want to hear that later too. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So this was an ad that was on a service in Australia. Legitimate, legitimate ad. Everything's real here. Uh, for somebody looking for an executive and personal assistant. And this is what the ad says. The opportunity to look inside the mind of a successful, fast-paced, intense, sometimes chaotic, passionate, easygoing, adventurous 28-year-old entrepreneur. Your primary focus will be to protect his time, financial interests, image, brand, and multiply his effectiveness. Success here, get this, success here will not happen simply by doing what you're told. You will need to know the desired outcomes, prioritize your time and projects, and make your own decisions as to how to best accomplish those goals. Oh, it goes on. Uh, From the inner workings of business operations, high-level social soirees, business negotiations, property management, and business travel. Thank you. To handling and owning the challenging moments and tasks that a successful business and bizarre, interesting personal life is built on. You'll get to experience experience it all first. Is this Fifty Shades of Grey? I know. I know. You'll get to experience. Oh, I'm not done. You'll get to experience it all firsthand with a close relationship. You'll learn his personality and voice, and ultimately manage the majority of his day to day activities, scheduling, correspondence, project management, research, and errands, among other activities. Okay, let me stop you because this reminds me of two things. Number one, the first thing that came to mind was two weeks' notice with Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant, where he's like the bazillionaire and she basically is his lawyer but becomes his personal assistant and he can't take any more and she gives two weeks' notice and she quits and then they fall in love. That's one. Number two, 
Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos just announced that he was getting divorced. Is this him looking for a new... (laughs) Okay, it goes on. I'm not done yet. If you want to clock in and out of your job, this isn't for you. Expect after hours and weekend calls from time to time. Life doesn't stop when the workday does. High performers work oh, on... T- they're looking for they're, they're looking for the Gwen Paltrow uh, character in the Iron Man movies. You know? The that's right. Oh, that's Pepper! Right. Pepper! That's what, they're yeah, looking, that's what they're Pepper Potts. High performers yeah. work until their tasks are done, not until the clock runs out. Oh, that's not the best line. You'll love this. You will be personally held responsible for making the CEO look good, feel good, and perform at the highest level. You'll be in charge of miscellaneous tasks from coffee to contract execution, as well as organizing events, traveling to events, (laughs) and orchestrating the rest of the team's travel to those events. And this is the best line of all. Say the best for last. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Before you get to the best line of all, I love that the breadth of tasks run from anywhere from getting coffee to drawing up contracts. Contracts. Like you're the lawyer too. Like, can't you hire somebody else to get the coffee? For God's sake, I'm I'm busy. Oh, wait a minute. Freaking contracts. We're not done yet. It also requires writing articles, creating digital assets, looking after the CEO's properties, as well as cleaning the office and maintaining the office supplies. <laughs> While in a French made outfit. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. So how much? How much a year do you have to make to do this job? I could give Hugh Hefner a price for nudity, published nudity, yet I will not give you a price for this because that's not a real thing. This is like a movie. This is... It's just setting you up to be blamed for everything. Everything. And you know this guy's a total a-hole, don't you? He's just going to yell at you about everything. Oh, oh God. And how did he describe himself again? Read that again. Oh, oh, I, 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 um, uh, let me see. Oh, cha- oh to handling uh, business. Blah, 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 blah. right at the beginning. An interesting okay. personal like life is built on. <laughs> Bizarre, interesting personal life. No, no, no. Right at the very beginning, oh. he was like describing the himself. opportunity to look inside the mind of a successful, fast paced, intense, sometimes chaotic, passionate, easygoing, adventurous 28 year old entrepreneur who really thinks a lot of himself. <laughs> oh, you will get the opportunity to look into the mind of somebody as amazing as me. <laughs> I will hit you with my car. That is what I will do for you. So, no price, Jamie. You're not even given a price on this one. No. You would last five minutes, Jamie. Five minutes till you punched him can in the I, face. Can I pay a price to punch him in the face? Can I pay a price to do that? <laughs> no, do we're that. just going to hit him with our car, Jamie. Okay. I'll hit him and then you hit okay. him and he bounces off mine. Now, do you want to hear the real clinker? I do have the price he was willing to pay. So, and this is a part time job, by the way. No, it's not. It listed as a part. The the title was Executive and Personal Assistant Part Time. And he was willing to pay $40,000 a year for that. Oh, (laughs) my God. You know what you get what you pay for? The ad has since been removed, probably since. (laughs) Where did you find this ad? Oh, it was all over the news. I'm surprised you didn't see it. It was all over the news. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. So uh, what was your price for the other thing, Jamie? (laughs) I got to (laughs) know. So so I worked in sports talk, and I used to be super hot when I was like 22, and I was on the radio, and the two guys, it was... um, 790 The Zone, now defunct, out of business, sports talk station. 
Nick and Chris, host of The Bottom Line. I was Jamie Steele. And they were like, Jamie Steele, Hugh Hefner's on hold. How much would you charge? Would you pose? And if so, how much would it cost? And I was like, well, boys, $750,000. And it's done. <laughs> <laughs> you went under they're a million. Like, I'm impressed. They're like, what? <laughs> this, was, this was a while ago now. Come on. <laughs> you could have the women in radio, $750,000. Half. <laughs> the contract was half written before you were even done with the sentence, wasn't it, Jamie? Nobody you were half done me, writing Jeff. it up. <laughs> take me up on that. Please oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they were paying that much at that time. Uh, well, you, you got to pay to play. Come on. It's got to hurt a little bit to get something this good. Okay? <laughs> My price has since gone down. All right. <laughs> Well, you can't call anymore, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, exactly. The heft missed it out. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you all set your price at home. Uh, I'm guessing, judging by our horse women community and how well we know them, nobody is working for this guy. There would He would get decked God. in about 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> he, needs a, uh, he needs a lead shank. All yeah, right. Jimmy, what's on today's show? Yes. For God's sake, let's move past this monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so on today's show, whew, I'm not that guy, but someone much nicer. In our horse health report, Dr. Latcher, a Spring Hills veterinarian, joins in to explain to us joint infections and what has happened with Highway the Horse. Um, Justine brings us the latest with Heels Down. Guest Mandy Cool from Starting Gates Standard Bread and Transition Program tells us about their alternative option for retired standard breads. Scott Johnson, host of the podcast, What Was That Like? comes on with an incredible story and an important lesson about rattlesnakes. So you don't want to miss any of it. It's going to be a packed show as always today, guys. And speaking of today, today is National Word Nerd Day. So do a crossword puzzle or a word search play a game of Scrabble, write a haiku about your horse, or do whatever fun thing you might do to celebrate words today. Wow. Uh, don't use big ones, though, or I'm out. Um, I can't do it. <laughs> I played words with friends for about six weeks, and I lost every game I played with with anybody, including probably a six-year-old. So, yeah, don't do that anymore. <laughs> but I know how to do a Daily Winnie. Well, I have a happy birthday going out to auditors Rachel Rosenthal and Kat Brennan. Happy birthday to both of you. Uh-oh. Come on, let's hear it. Oh. So Chad's sitting right here. So I wanted you to play the Winnie again, just so he could get a little another another dose of chili. Happy birthday <laughs> to my husband Chad, who um, actually was flying you people around all over the country on his birthday. So it was actually yesterday, but he got in at about two a.m. So I don't know why he's awake, but he's sitting here. So happy birthday, baby! Happy birthday, Chad! Well, and you know it's interesting because all of the auditors now that fly in American are looking for him. 
And all the listeners yes, are looking it. for Chad. <laughs> They're always is, looking is at the he, cockpit. Is he there? He could be there for sure. <laughs> one for of these sure. days, You'll one of our listeners point. is going to be on a plane with Chad. Babe, can you do the um, like announcements? Do you ever do the announcements at the beginning of the flight? No. Yeah, Captain's doing it. Come here. You got to talk into the microphone. I wasn't told I was performing after I, ju- I just <laughs> said it. Do you ever do the thing? Who does the announcement? Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to <laughs> welcome you to today's. Yeah, no. I. <laughs> <laughs> the captain does it, apparently. Well, tell him um, when he becomes captain, he has to put a plug in for our show every announcement. Okay. Every announcement, you have to put a plug in for horses in the morning, Glenn says, yeah. when you become captain. Okay. <laughs> listen, oh, I... Oh, and by the way, <laughs> horses in the morning podcast. Uh... He just met, he just flew with a captain who lives in Dallas and has a huge horse farm with an attached runway, hangar, and airplanes. And I'm like, babe, when are you making for captain? <laughs> that is all I care about. Yeah, I think like, there was the some money that came maybe, before like, that job, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think. I don't know. I think it's the Captain Bay. Let's go. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to hear about an interesting ride that you had, but we have, uh, we have the doctor on the line, so we'll get to that. It's a little later in the show. I got to hear about a picture that you posted on Facebook. Mm. But maybe first, good. let's get to this. It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report, when our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. Well, good morning, Dr. Latcher. How are ya? I'm good. I think our topic today is excellent salesmanship for the Kevlar-lined equine protective line. <laughs> yeah, you know? I did too. <laughs> it sure is. I <sighs> mean, because even bubble wrap wouldn't help this horse. My gosh. So, uh, no. <laughs> this this was a story that went viral, but I I didn't hear it because I'm not in Florida. But I I want you to tell us the story and the journey of Highway. Oh, poor Highway, who made some actually what seemed like bad choices at the time, but were good choices in the end. Um, Highway had been given to someone who was taking him most likely to a kill pen situation. Uh, He was on the horse trailer near just above Ocala, Florida, when somehow the back of the trailer opened um, a semi flashed the driver of the truck, so he slowed down. And we're not 100% sure, but based on the severity of his wounds, he couldn't have been going too fast. At some point, as he slowed down, Highway jumped off the trailer mm. and apparently skedaddled for the nearest tree where he hid from the driver so he couldn't find him. He knew where he was going, uh, he driver. knew the whole story. <laughs> he was like, I'm not going there. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Yeah. And so come daylight, the sheriff's office got calls that there was a, a, and highway is black. So there was a black horse on the side of the road on the interstate. So the busiest section of interstate, one of the busiest sections of interstate in Florida, and we have a black horse on the side of the interstate. Wow. Uh, So we were called out to look at him and we got there and he was standing by, you know, six lanes of semi-trailers going up and down and like, hey, the grass is good right here. So <laughs> I'm just going to graze if that's cool with everyone. 
but on evaluation, we noted that he had a lot of road rash. He had definitely come tumbling out of the horse trailer knees first. And then he had dragged his hind feet across the asphalt and he has pretty extensive road rash down his entire right side. Um, so we loaded him up and brought him back to our hospital where we did more evaluation on him, you know, better situation than being on the side of the interstate. And I have to say that this horse was fantastic for everything we did. You know, I, I own an off the track thoroughbred, and I have to say that his brain would have been six States away working Mm -hmm. on all this. And this horse just stood there and was like, Hey, it's all cool. It's good. So when we brought him back to the hospital, we found that one of the wounds in his right knee actually communicated with the joint. And that is a really, really big deal. So Mm -hmm. from there, we did what we could um, while we were trying to find an owner for this horse. Uh, So this was on a Friday. We eventually found the owner, but that was late Saturday, early Sunday morning that the owner was finally tracked down. In the meantime, we had to make some decisions. Uh, because joint infections set in fast, hard, and they're they're deadly for horses. And we can get into that more in a second. But uh, we set up a GoFundMe so that we could get this horse to a surgical facility. Uh, we went with Equine Medical Center in Ocala. And they did, we were able to get that funded very, very quickly. And we sent him down. They lavaged the joint. So they ran high, high, high volumes of sterile fluid through the joint. I picked out chunks of asphalt uh you know just sort of cleaned everything up put sterile bandage he was on antibiotics already that continued those antibiotics and then we started our waiting game to see if he was going to be okay okay so uh, you the the owner let's let's go to that the owners finally found two days later did he not notice he had a horse or she was had a horse mm-hmm. that fell off the truck? Like, wh- give me some of the owner's story. And why would an owner come forward knowing that there's going to be a vet bill if they were taking him to a kill pen? Anyway? Well, yeah. So, so the owner of this horse had decided he, he definitely has some personality issues under saddle. And so she had made some decisions on what needed to happen with him. The gentleman who had him said, I will take care of the horse. Um, And everything beyond that, the sheriff's office took care of. So I don't really know kind of Uh, the details on that. I'll Um, take care of your horse. I'll I'll take it off your hands for you. Yeah, we've all seen that story before. (laughs) And I'm going to not lock the trailer door. And I'm going to like basically throw it out (laughs) on the asphalt to die. Oh, and then it's going to become a news story. Go viral. And then you're going to have it go fund me. And then. Where's my horse? Why is it not in the trailer? Why is the trailer? What's happening here? And talk about horses don't like their brains. Don't think I'm going to hide from that guy. This horse was like, he, I'm telling you horses read intention. And he, this horse knew that something was bad and this was not a good guy. And he was getting out of there. That's amazing. And then when you guys work on him, he reads your intention and he knows that you're trying to help him. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty impressive to me that he was like, yeah, I'll just be over here behind this tree hiding from you. <laughs> okay, so Jamie, well, I, so, I want to get off of that for a second. Jamie just made that statement. Do you as a veterinarian believe that, that the horses read intentions from people? Um, I, I will say absolutely. I think that you can talk to most trainers and they they will tell you that horses pick up on what we, we do. Um, I think in a lot of these situations, you know, the veterinarians, we come at horses from a very 
kind of caring standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you. Um, let me see what I can figure out, what I can do to help you. And what can I do to make this as low stress as possible? In my practice, we believe in better living through bribery. So we feed the snot out of them. <laughs> we always have treats on us. And you know, a horse like this, we come at them with food first and cause food is love, right? So we, um, we come at them with treats and say, Hey, here we are. We're going to slowly approach you. We do as much as we can until they get to a point where they can't tolerate it. You know, on him, we were trying to evaluate a lot of his status without sedating him because we wanted to know how was his system doing um, before we put drugs on board. Because when we put drugs on board, I can't really assess heart rate, pulse quality, GI sounds. That's a big deal in horses. Do I have gut sounds or not? Um, none of those things can I do with sedation on board. So we try to do as much of that evaluation before we sedate them. Mm-hmm. Then if we know we're doing a painful procedure, we put sedation and pain relievers on board first before we even start doing the painful stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are taking a horse, you're heading to you know, a less than savory location with them. The chances are you don't have time for this horse. You know, you don't, you're not coming from a place of love, basically. So, you know, you walk into the paddock, you grab the horse, you throw him on the trailer, you know, you do all of those sorts of things. And I think that horses very much pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cause you're not petting him on the way into the trailer. You're getting the whip out and get on the damn trailer. <laughs> we got to go. Well, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so what happened? Is he okay? Obviously he had uh, probably a thousands and thousands of dollars of vet bills that were mainly covered by this GoFundMe, did he make it? So Highway is currently at about eighteen, nineteen thousand in veterinary bills. Whoa. Um and yeah, yeah. So this is not this is why joint infections are a big deal. And while highways was obvious, there was, you know, chunks of asphalt in his knee. And you could I mean like there was no doubt when you looked at his knee that that joint was open. Um, this is the seriousness of these wounds. He's doing okay right now. He had to go in for a second surgery. Uh, another area of what we call a synovial structure, and that's joints and tendon sheaths or synovial structures. We had another one of those that runs in the front of the knee. It's not necessarily a joint, but it covers one of the tendons as it comes across. Another one of those, as he healed, it's sealed up. And when they seal, that's the time that we're, that's kind of our crunch time. That's when we know if we've gotten all the infection out or not. And on highway, unfortunately we hadn't. So the, the joint in an attempt to get rid of infection makes a lot of joint fluid Mm -hmm. or synovial fluid. So it just keeps pumping that out. So everything's fine. As long as there's a way for that fluid to get out, when it heals to a point that it seals over, they get tremendous pressure and that's really painful. So on highway, as the extensor tendon sheath healed over, it started to build that pressure. Uh, And then we we found out that we weren't quite as good as we thought. So he recently went in for a second surgery to clean that up. They found more asphalt in there, which is typical. I mean, you know, you guys have seen horses. They they can get dirt anywhere and everywhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Trying to get them clean is hard. Now put asphalt in a joint. Um, So they got that cleaned up. And honestly, the the surgeon told us that they were really worried about him, and he's looking pretty good right now. Like we're we're not a hundred percent out of the woods yet on that that side of the injury, but 
this horse is amazing. Like we keep saying he's a horse that wants to live, you know, he, yeah. Well, obviously he jumped at, off the trailer um, and got, got out of there. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'll take the highway <laughs> over this truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Wow>. Exactly. <laughs> So, so he's, he's cooking along, and we have high hopes. I, please, Does he have a place to go yeah, thank when you. he is all healed and happy yeah. and healthy? Please tell me you're not going to spend 20000 yes. and he's getting back on the truck. Um, <laughs> you're not giving <laughs> no. him back to that owner, right? <laughs> no, good. No, um, he has been signed over to the sheriff's office um, for a lot of reasons. As you can imagine, it is very difficult in some of these cases to, to get the sheriff's office is on board with saying, all right, we're going to take responsibility because let's face it, horses are expensive. So um, what we have done on this horse is we teamed up with Dreamcatcher Horse Ranch and Rescue. And between Spring Hill Equine, my practice and Dreamcatcher, we have been funding him and taking care of him. And once he is good, Dreamcatcher is going to use him in their therapy program. They work with a lot of, um, a lot of kids that are headed for bad trouble and he's going to be a therapy horse for those guys. Okay. Being that I just used abused horses with at risk youth. Um, it's, it's, I hope he pulls through cause it was, it's amazing what these horses can teach these kids that all come from the same abusive scenario. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I want I would make it. <laughs> we all do. Oh my gosh. And he is just, he's the sweetest sort, and he's really cute. Like you pull out a camera and he's like, Ooh, let me prick my ears up. <laughs> Aww. Where can we, where can I give you money? I want to give you money. <laughs> how, how do I do that? Uh, so there is a face, there is a Facebook page called highway, the I 75 miracle horse. Um, you can also find any of that information on Spring Hill Equine's Facebook page. Uh, and the fundraiser is on, you can find it on either of those pages as well. And um, Dreamcatcher Horse Ranch and Rescue in Florida has all of the information posted on them as well. But it is a good lesson in joint infections. And they are they are huge deal in horses. And they can get them from the teeny tiniest wounds. They don't have to fall out of a trailer on the interstate. They can poke their leg with a stick in just the right place and get into the joint. All right, that's it. I'm getting out of horses. I can't take it. It's just too many. Things. Do you remember years ago when we had the guy on whose horse it was tornado or something, and the horse had a branch through its chest and out the other side? It was an Arabian, and they saved that horse. It was it was one of the most bizarre stories we have seen like this. But I mean, there were literally a picture of the horse, this huge four inch wide branch going through the horse's body, and it lived. Yes. <laughs> it was- yeah. I just, I was in Tennessee, if and, I and remember right. And a little right. tiny pinprick on a joint will take him out. <laughs> it's just crazy. Oh it my gosh, crazy. he looks yeah, like Black so- Beauty. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Black Beauty. <laughs> I can't. He does. He really my does. Heart, my heart can't take it. Dr. Letcher, you just, you've ruined my day. Please save him. <laughs> it's Black Beauty. It's like We are trying our hardest. Okay. <laughs> All right, I can't take this anymore. Dr. Latcher, good luck. I hope when we talk to you next, he's at Dreamcatcher and he's helping children, Black Beauty, and like, oh my God, it's too much. I can't take it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. It is great. You can go to springhillequine.com, find out more about joint infections, find out more about Highway. And I just searched on Facebook, Highway, the horse, Highway the 75 horse. 
and it came up. So, yeah. but it, hi, highway, yeah. when you search highway on Facebook, if you just write highway, it'll come up like to hell. So don't click that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you have to add 75 and yeah, horse and then you'll right. be okay. You'll yeah. Highway them. 75 horse. You're good. All right. Thanks, Dr. Ledger. Yep. Have a great day. And give him a kiss from us. You guys too. We right. will. Thanks a bunch. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Glenn, yeah. he looks like Black Beauty, and hey, you know what that does to me. Yeah, yeah, I remember the story. It was really, really big here in Florida when it happened. It was on all the news, and it was right it's right up the road from where we are. Um, but you also see the kind of facilities that they have there, and uh, the highway was pretty beat up. You could tell he bit the dust when he came off the trailer. But boy, he was, talk about self-preservation. <laughs> he, was, he was a horse bent on self-preservation, that is for sure. Yes. Well, if you want to preserve something, you probably want to preserve your pocketbook. And being horse people, we have a lot of preserving to do. So head on over right now to horselovers.com. They have up to 80% off of Noble Outfitters clothing and boots. And basically all the Noble Outfitters products are listed on there. There's a ton of products. They have the Noble Outfitters work gloves, which I have and use all the time when doing hay and stuff. They're marked down from $19.95 to $11.95. They have the shirts that are at 62% off, a bunch of different shirts. Uh, Noble Outfitters also is known for its cowboy boots, and they have those marked down $100. So most of the cowboy boots are now marked down from $199 to 99 and you can uh, see them all at horselovers.com uh, that's going on that's their seasonal clearance which means they're getting ready for the new stuff i'm heading to the western uh, english sales association wisa in denver this weekend where where all of the vendors are it's only my second time going to wisa uh, so i know they'll be there and they'll be there what with is the wisa booth. It's what does WISA mean? It's Western English Sales Association. It's like ADA, like we've been covering for the last 10 years here on the show, uh, the trade show, Wholesalers Meet Retailers, only it's mostly for the Western world, and it's 100 times bigger. So I'm heading out to wow. Denver for of that course. this weekend. Yeah, of course it is. Um, and so we'll see them there, but because uh, Ada now has gone back to just once a year, or we'd probably be coming to you from live from there right now. So uh, I'm going to head out to Wisa and uh, be over there for a couple of days. But yeah, they have all they have some of their sheets and all different kinds of stuff from Noble Outfitters. And you know, every Noble Outfitters product we've had reviewed on this show by our listeners, they've liked. So it's good stuff. Head on over to horselovers.com right now to get up to 80% off. Well, we had Mandy Cool, who has the best name ever, on the show years ago. And she's been a friend of mine for years. And we chat on Facebook uh, sometimes. And we had her on when I think she first started uh, Starting Gate Standard Breads in Ohio. Good morning, Mandy. Good morning. We had you on right when you first started, didn't we? Yeah, it was just a few months after we launched. That's in 2013. It's been, we're overdue. It is, yes. <laughs> I know, it's been a while. <laughs> so you are in the business of helping Standard Breads uh, transition from f- from the starting gate to a second career. And, uh, you know, we talk about thoroughbreds all the time, but Standard Breads are such wonderful horses. Yes, definitely. We um, We... You know, there's kind of a niche for a need for standard breads, uh, not just a place for them to land, but um, just to get some promotion and PR and what their capabilities are. And they're just very underestimated horses. And a lot of people, they just don't know what they're about and what they're capable of. So um, that's not our, only our goal to transition, but to also bring some awareness, uh, you know, to how awesome they are 
uh, something other than a racehorse. So let's talk about a, a lot. Most of us are familiar with the thoroughbreds and their personalities. What would you say is the differences between a thoroughbred and a standard bred? Personality. Um, well, over the years, I have taken in. Uh, I've taken in a few thoroughbreds. I've owned a couple myself. Um, they're great horses for what they're meant to do. Uh, the difference I would say for the standard bread is they're just a lot more easygoing. Uh, they're a little more user friendly per se. Uh, they make better uh, first time horses or people that are just learning how to ride. They're going to be a lot more forgiving than like a thoroughbred would. Um, you know, you often hear it referred to as the poor man's racehorse, um, which you know may or may not be true because there's some pretty decent money in standard breads these days. But uh, they're just exposed to so much, and they were started so young as a driving horse that by the time they get to me. There's not much that phases them. So there's not much that surprises them. I don't have a lot of spooky horses. They just kind of walk in the barn and make themselves at home like they've always been here. And they tend to race a lot longer, right? So you're getting them as a little older, aren't you? Usually? We are, yeah. I would say our average uh, age coming in is probably eight or nine. Uh, they can legally race until they're 14, at the end of their 14-year-old year. year. Uh, so we do take horses through age 14. Um but yeah, you don't. We don't get very many youngsters. They do tend to be a little more durable, a little more sturdy. Um, they've got good feet by nature. A lot of them can be barefoot without any problems. Uh, they don't deal with a lot of health issues like colic. They're, they're not real sensitive. Um, you know, they can just still put up with about anything. Now, do do they only drive when you get them, or do have the, do some of the trainers ride them too? Um, every now and then we get one that's already been started as a riding horse. But for the most part, no, they're just driving horses. Uh, we do the first rides here. Uh, we've gotten pretty good at, at uh, you know, the process and what they've been through. But because they drive and because they race and been to fairgrounds and hauled all over to different tracks, you know, the biggest thing for us is teaching them what leg cues mean um, and then getting them to understand balancing a rider. Um, I would say more of them are sticky, we call it, than anything. You kind of toss a rider up there and the horse kind of looks at you like, you know, they don't want to move because they don't want to hurt their human. Um, so we do start the, the riding process with someone on the ground and someone in the saddle, just kind of walk them around and get them used to it. And, you know, it, I'd like to say we're doing some fancy, you know, magic training, but we're really not within 10, 15 minutes, they're riding off down the trail if we want them to be. <laughs> and we've dealt with some state of breads, Jennifer and I have over the years. And, and I would say your description is exactly what we have found. And Jennifer used to work with standard breads at one of the biggest standard bread operations in the country for a couple of years. And even as babies, they tended to be a little more sensible and a little less self-destructive. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I, I also raised some babies of my personal uh, horses. And uh, I... I have a couple Arabians and then I have a couple standard bread crosses and you could, it's night and day difference. <laughs> we already say, we always joke that, you know, the standard bread filly, she's already plotting to take over the barn and she's like, you know, nine months old. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a big difference. I mean, you're at both ends of the spectrum there, the Arabians to the standard breads. <laughs> you really are. Yeah, huge. <laughs> yeah. And we did find the same thing too with their feet. Their feet tend to just be tougher. I don't know what it is. They're harder or they're tougher or something. Their feet were always, they were always easier to deal with than, than the thoroughbreds we had. Yeah, I think we're pushing about 600 horses that have been through here since 2013. And I think I can count on one hand the number, maybe even just two that I can think of that had foot issues. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's a pretty low percentage uh, is considering how many horses have come through. So a lot of times uh, before they come here, we ask their race owners to pull their shoes because we do a lot of turnout. Um, and aluminum race plates last about 30 seconds once they go outside. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so they get here barefoot. 
Um, and you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of issues with anything that I would say the only time I do end up with a little bit of foot soreness is, a like a war horse that's always had shoes on his whole life, you know, by 13, 14, you know, pull his shoes off and he thinks you cut his, cut his legs off. <laughs> but, uh, I think that for them is more of a mental thing that that's just not what they're used to. So, well, like thoroughbreds, do you give them some downtime when they come off the track? Are they getting a couple of months of, uh, eating in the pasture or how, how does it work? Um, it depends on the horse. A lot of them, um, I would say a lot of them come in from an injury. So they've had some stall rest or they've had some turnout time before they get to me. Um, I would say over half of them probably have already had some downtime before coming. Uh, so we don't do, we don't do like a designated period. I kind of take it by horse. Uh, most of them are ready to get right back to work by nature. They like to have a job. They're not really happy standing around, not doing anything. So we try to, you know, find out what that niche is going to be. Uh, most of them love riding outside. They love the trails. They love doing something, uh, just being with other people. They like people, you know, they're very people oriented animals. So a lot of times we just throw them right to work. Um, I would say on average, our horses are only here five to six weeks, maybe total. And do a, so what percentage of them go back out as driving horses and what percentage go as riding horses? Uh, for us, most of them all go as riding horses. Um, I've had a couple that go on to be pleasure driving horses. They're great uh, for that, by the way, because they're broke to death to drive. Yeah. I mean, they're really good at that. Oh, yeah. They yeah. don't care about anything. And they're bomb-proof. Kind of funny, when I got started, <laughs> I didn't even have a cart. And I had a couple of people that were like, oh, can you send me video of him driving? And I'm like, he had 200 starts. Like, I promise you, he knows how to drive. <laughs> so <laughs> no, he only goes one direction, but that's okay. And one <laughs> I mean, speed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, might get, you might get pacing one way and trotting the other, but, but you know, they know what a cart is and they know how to drive. But I did, I did break down and eventually learn to drive myself, but. Yeah, I would say it was probably two or three years in before I started driving any of them because it was just it was just assumed they know how. I when I had a pacing pony, it was so nice when uh, the pony when she'd actually pace because it was smooth. It was the you know when yep. you have a especially if the if uh, you have a horse that goes into a canter in the cart, it's bouncy. I mean, it's very bouncy. And when when they paced, you go really fast, and it was smooth. It was just like it was nice. <laughs> As you've learned. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that gate is it has translated really well as a riding horse. And I would say kind of our specialty, what we've found, um, is is teaching the standard breads how to gate. So they all do a very natural single footing gate, um, either like a stepping pace or a rack. Uh and so we kind of get that out in them, see what they like to naturally fall into. Um, but it what it results in is a really smooth riding horse, which is fantastic for trails. You know, they don't care about anything as far as, you know, their environment, and then they have a nice smooth gait. It just makes for a really enjoyable ride. That is, congratulations on your success in adopting them. That's amazing. You can adopt that many out in four to six weeks. What is your secret? Um, you know, we, we have a really good following on Facebook. Uh, I try to do as much real-time advertising as I can. Um, and, and I would say most of our, I don't even know what the percentage is, probably about 50 to 60% of my horses that come through don't even hit Facebook because I have an adopter looking for something specific. So we really try to match the horse to the adopter instead of somebody just cherry picking from a list. Like, Ooh, I like that one. Um, mm-hmm. Because I want it to be a good fit for my horse. I want it to be a good fit for the person. And then of course, you know, we take the horse back if it doesn't work out for any reason. So it does me no good to send a horse out into a job. It's not going to like, so we try really hard to make sure it's going to be a good fit. But, uh, but most of the time I have more people waiting for horses than I have horses in the program. Wow. So what, uh, what are the adoption fees? Uh, it varies based on age and experience and how much training we put in. 
Um, sometimes if we have to rehab a horse and we have a little bit more expense, we have a little higher fee, but on average they're in the four to $600 range. Oh my gosh. That's so high. Wow. (laughs) What you said about trail riding is true. We have a lot of trail riding down here in Ocala and we see a lot more standard breads than we used to because people want the gated horses and they don't necessarily want, you know, they want a gated horse that has a brain and then, then that's where the standard bread comes in. Yep, definitely. If you if you go to our Facebook page, um, I've actually done a couple of live series where we've taken a horse that's never been touched with a saddle, taken it to the trails, and actually put its first ride on and videoed all live um, what it looks like to start a horse in their first trail ride. Um, and I it kind of talks about what I look business. for. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah, it's really fun. Thoroughbreds and Mustangs, I choose. Yeah. And here you are, like, oh, yeah, day two trail yeah. ride. Let's yeah, 15 go. minutes, I got him out of yeah. the trail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really lucky that the girl that volunteered trained for me, um, she'll, she'll ride anything. I could tell her that this was an ex-bucking horse and she would get on it. But uh, we've picked up horses at the track and taken it straight to a trail and trail road because it was a beautiful day and we were already in the area. So um, it's just, it's, they're, they're very versatile and they're very um, easily acclimated. You know, they get claimed and they bounce around from barn to barn. So, you know, for them, I'm just another barn in their, you know, their list of places that they've been. So it's uh it's really an easy process and we do really enjoy it. Glenn, I'm going to tell you a story in a minute about that little three-year-old thoroughbred who <laughs> clearly needs to go to her house for a while. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> well, Mandy, I've been watching you too over the years and you, you can tell, you know, you can tell by just watching people's social media posts and what people say about them that you have a good reputation and, and you're, you have patience with the horses. And, you know, to be honest, that's the only reason you're on here today is I know that h- how you treat the horses and have followed you for, since you started. And even before that, I think we were friends uh, before that. So, you know, congratulations yeah. on what you've done. That number of horses over that number of years is tremendous. And I know you don't have a huge team, do you? No, we don't have any paid staff at all. Um, everybody's just volunteer. We all work full-time jobs. Uh, this is all just something we do, you know, in our free time. And I, that with air quotes because there's no such thing as free time but you know we find time to do it um there's some times where we we move a little more than we we do at other times of the year when we get busy but i have two or three girls that have been working with me since the beginning amy bukert she's been with me since the very beginning uh she's in a lot of the pictures that you see um and then i have a really great barn staff that helps me keep up with the day-to-day stuff because we have anywhere from six to ten horses here for adoption at a time on top of my personal horses uh, you know, so that's, it's really important to have a good team around. You how many, how many, how many personal horses do you have? Oh, now we don't, we don't count. <laughs> <laughs> they all say that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I've been, uh, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've been able to get into Frisians the last couple of years. So I, I do have a couple of Frisians that I own and several racking horses and a couple adoption fails of standard breads that came through the program and I never let them leave. So uh, I think I have around 11 right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mandy, if you were going to give one training tip for a standard bread coming off the track, the one thing that you go, okay, that applies to everyone I get, what would it be? Uh, the biggest thing is, is talking to them. Um, most people, you know, they want to use their legs. They want to grab on the reins to, to say things. And a lot of the guys in the racing community, they, they're, they're talking to the horse. They're telling them to stop. They're telling them to go. They're telling them to trot. Um, so the biggest thing for us is, is communication with the horse, both with your body and also vocally, because that's going to give them reassurance that everything's okay, that they're, they're doing okay. Because if you just throw a rider up there and they're silent, a lot of times the horse will get really nervous because they don't understand what's going on. 
Um, so, you know, they're kind of used to that chaos. So you almost have to give them a little of it back, um, communicating to make sure that they can relate what you're trying to do now with something that they've done in the past. One of our listeners, Marie, was here from Michigan over the weekend, and we went out riding with her, and I was driving my pony, and uh, that's the she made that comment. She said, uh, you talk to the pony a lot. And I said, well, as a driver, that's how you communicate. I mean, you have your reins, and you're communicating a bit through there, but a lot of it's voice command, you know, and they know those voice commands. Yep, definitely. Uh, you know, you're going to get more of a forward motion from a kiss sound than you would uh, from just kicking on their sides. Their sides, you know, that doesn't mean anything to them coming right off the track. So, yeah, communication and talking to them. And, and even my youth riders, if you ever see me in an event, I try to take youth riders with me to do the demos. And you'll probably see me on the rail yelling, talk to him, talk to him, because, you know, they're they're just so quiet that uh, the horses need that. They, they like it and they depend on that bond and communication with their person. I can make sure they're okay. Well, I got to admit, when you're going out with other people who aren't used to it and you're talking to your horse the whole time, it makes you look kind of weird, I got to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely does. Nobody should watch me in the barn then because I would definitely look crazy talking to my horses. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm crazy singing, talking, everything in the world. But you know what? When you talk and you sing, it also let's let your body relax too, because it means you're breathing and, you know, people get nervous, they hold their breath and then they create tension. And then that tension goes straight through the saddle to the horse. The horse is like, why are we tense? I don't know, but I got to be tense because she's tense. So you just, by talking and stuff, it really helps the horse understand, but it also helps your body relax. So I, I feel like that's a huge thing in any horse that, that there is, is just to talk to them. So interesting. I, 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 I need I need standard breads and Frisians, so I'm going to come to your house. <laughs> Mandy, yes, give I, them... I even have a couple of standard bread Frisian crosses, which has been a really interesting venture. So why would you do that? My two why would you do they do get that? the brain well, of the Frisian <laughs> or the standard bread? Just let me, which one is it? Well, temperament wise, they they're very similar uh, temperament wise, which is why I probably love both of them. Um, what it's doing is adding a little bit of stamina and, and durability to the to the Frisian breed because they tend to, you know, they're big horses. They run out of run out of go pretty quick. Um, so then you have that standard bred uh, work ethic in there, and and we're getting some really nice horses. Both of the babies that I have now, uh, well, one's a three year old, and he just left and is with his um, he's with a teenager that's teaching him dressage, and then I have a two year old in the barn. Both of them, the mares I purchased uh, actually from an Amish family that had already bred the bred the mares. Um, so I sold them out and then kept the babies just because I was too intrigued to see. And, you know, they've really turned into some nice, some nice horses. Do so. they still look like Fabio? Do they have the hair? They went, my filly has the hair. Uh, the gelding just kind of looks like a really fancy, you know, fancy thicker standard bread. Um, but they've, they've been great. They're, you know, they're the same temperament as the standard huh. bread has been so far. So you um, didn't breed really them. You, work d- with. you, you, you inherited them. <laughs> you inherited pregnant mares, huh? Yeah. I, you know, I'm on Facebook and somebody tags me in something that's a standard bread and folds to a Frisian and I just, you know, snowballed from Mandy's there. Mandy's <laughs> a sucker is what she's Not, saying. She she's a sucker. One, Glenn. She took both. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. She's <laughs> a sucker. Well, I had, you know, I had to, you know, do, do a good analysis. I can't just uh, have one uh, <laughs> on research. <laughs> Mandy, I know that this hasn't always been easy since you started. I've seen those struggles, too. So congratulations for sticking with it, and thank you for helping the horses. Yeah, thanks for thanks for your support. We appreciate it. And where can people f- find one to adopt again? Where do they go? Uh, the best place is to follow our Facebook page. Um, most of them, you know, being honest, we, we move horses so fast, a lot of times the website isn't updated. Uh, so, so find us on Facebook, the Starting Gates. Uh, G-A-I-T-S, and then, you know, keep a look, keep an eye on there. Everything gets posted on there first. 
Do me a favor, too, uh, when we get off uh, here. Send uh, Facebook me, private message me a picture that we can use for the show notes of one of your favorites, and then we'll use it for the show notes. Okay. All right. Th- great. Thanks, Mandy. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you again. Thanks. Have a great day. She's super sweet. And I know, you know, like anything you start like this, it hasn't always been easy. She's had her ups and downs along the way. And, uh, but look at the, you know, look at what success she has. Uh, That's you know. amazing success. Yeah, it is. That's and really cool. And she has kind of the same temperament around the horses that you do. Cause I, you know, I've known her a little bit. So it was, you know, she's, she's really cool. You'll have to have her on your new show sometime, which we can talk about right now. Yes, I am so excited to start this. I'm just like brainstorming ideas all the time. Joy and I are talking. We have a new show coming out called Retired Racehorse Radio. And yes, we'll have to have Mandy on because we're going to talk about retired racehorses all around and what you can do. And we're going to have training tips and we're going to have all sorts of different guests on and uh, different segments and, and learning about them from conception all the way to their racing career. And then once they're done, what do we do with them and, and what are they doing? and how how great they are so i'm really excited retired racehorse radio is going to be the name of the show glenn and i that's official now yeah that's official now yes so so it is officially that and i'm super excited and i'm i'm just throwing myself in the life of retired racehorses by having two of them uh (laughs) here which uh, yeah. has been has been colorful. <laughs> yeah, you posted a picture. What was that page called? The HRN Winter Ride Challenge, which is listeners who are taking the Winter Ride Challenge. They have to ride so many hours within 12 weeks over the winter. And you posted a picture. There was no, I didn't see any description, though. It was just a picture. No, I posted it, but somehow it's separated. Um, so I posted that um, baby Groot, who's a, now, I guess he's now four, but he actually won't be four till end of April. So he's a late baby. So he's very young. Uh, I said, you know, we had ridden fairly successfully the day before. So I was like, let's just go out on a little trail ride. Now, here's the problem when you have a couple three year old baby racehorses and no arena. Is the, I'm doing it backwards, Glenn. You don't start, unlike standard breads, you don't start racehorses in an 18-acre pasture. No, <laughs> like, that's, that's running room. It's not the most successful yeah. plan. <laughs> so I just thought, well, let's just take him out on like a little 20-minute It's pack. a big you arena. Know, just, Very just big a arena. Big, giant yeah. arena. <laughs> and um, when all his buddies are eating hay, you know, or hanging around the little barn area, uh, I took him away and, and about, yeah, we're doing great. We're working on trotting and transitions and stop and back up and turn on all. And all of a sudden, man, he was like, I am going back to the barn right now. And I'm not going to just turn and run. I'm going, because we were phasing away. I'm going to rear, start walking backwards on my hind legs and then flip around. So I sit the rear and I, and he, then he goes and flips around and I, I'm like, okay, I'm the only one home. I'm home alone. I'm out on a baby racehorse who has just decided to dump me. I'm in midair. It's like, it's like when you go to start falling off a horse, it's something happens and it turns into slow motion. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, shit. you know, and, and the horse rears and then he like, 
starts walking backwards and then I'm like, oh my God, we're going to go backwards. But somehow I, I throw myself on his neck, which then makes me lose my lower leg. And I'm kind of off to the side. And then he spins, lands and spins and goes to take off. And somehow in there, my brain goes, grab hold. And my legs grabbed around him. And I ended up completely hanging off the side of him, like head down by the stirrup. I don't know how I saved it, but the the part in your brain that's like, I'm I, I'm here alone, and if something happens, like this, just just don't bail, you know, don't fall off, don't fall off, don't fall off. So somehow I was able to stay on him, and he decided. How long did you ride was, that? Did you hit the full eight seconds? Um, this happened. It seems like nine minutes. Uh, <laughs> Did you hear the bell? Go. <laughs> the rear and the start walking backwards and oh my God, he's going to flip. And then he turns and he lands and then he goes to take off running back to the barn. Well, all of that was probably fairly quick, but what happened later was not quick. So my 20 minute planned happy hack around the pasture turned into a, we're going to go trot up and down a hill until you're exhausted. And by the way, I'll let you go back to the barn, but you're going to go back to the barn Backwards. And who was more exhausted at the end of that, by the way? Oh, yeah. It was a tie. (laughs) It was a tie. Um, But so the picture I posted was a picture of Groot, and he was um, really sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) He was. I knew either he got rained on or it was a long workout. (laughs) That was a rain. (laughs) And I don't know. Like, my hip still hurts. Like, like too old for these racehorses. Like, gosh, my body. But, you know, it's just... He's three and he's in an 18 acre field and he doesn't understand how to be ridden. So he's still learning and I can't expect that he would be perfect. And, and yes, there's a reason you start with an arena on a, on a thoroughbred because like you have a wall and you have a place to turn and, you know, I'm out in grass that it rained four days ago. So of course it's like too slip to canter circles and stuff. So I had to figure out ways to be creative and, you know, you let them make their decision, but then you make them pay for it. You know, you make the right decision easy and the wrong decision hard. You want to go back to the barn? That's your decision. How fast but- can, does he go by the way? Um, backwards, he can, he was moving. (laughs) I didn't let him go fast forward. I let him go fast backwards. You can make a decision, but you're going to pay for the wrong decision. And by paying for it, I'm not going to hurt him. I'm going to work him. And it's his lungs and his heart are going to go, oh my God, this is a bad idea. I hate backing up. Horses never back up for fun, Glenn. You don't ever see them out in a pasture. Hey, let's go back up. So you use backing them up as a form of, you know, I guess you word is punishment, but it's not punishment. It's you, you can consequences. Go? It's consequences. It's consequences for right. your actions. Right. Exactly. So you want to go back to the barn? Fine. And by the way, I backed him to the barn, which was probably about 300 yards and it was uphill. <laughs> <laughs> so his butt was probably a little story. That's today. something you have here that you didn't have in Arizona. A hill. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, it's not a huge hill, but it's enough. It's enough. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to back 300 yards uphill. Was he, a little sore? Was he a little sore the next day? I'm sure he's a little stiff, but yeah. I don't care. I'm a little sore, too. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad you didn't get dirty. That's good. Um, the, the, the rear and run backwards is really scary. That, that's a new one. 
as right. horse husband, with the first thing we look for, like when Jennifer comes back from an endurance ride or she's just going out for a long ride, you know the first thing we look for, right? We look at the breeches first. Really? Yeah, we see if there's a big mud pot, uh, spot or if there's dirt on the breeches. We know it didn't go well. That's the first thing you look at <laughs> is the breeches. If you see mud, don't ask. Yes, yeah, it, it didn't go well. So that's we, as a horse husband, you learn that early on. You look for the evidence of ground. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Her chad was out of the town, so you know, really intelligent <laughs> is that I'm riding a horse by myself on 18 acres, and I could have got dumped in the very back of the. And you property. didn't have the phone on you, did you? No, I don't. Can't carry a phone when I ride. Sometimes when I. When are you going to learn? My, breeches with the pockets in them but i can't like i don't know you need a horse holster we need to get you a horse holster you've been saying that for years i know you still de- you didn't get me a christmas present this year let's go <laughs> okay i'll get you one of those i think i can afford I that you a christmas present if you want to share with everybody <laughs> the awesomeness of what you got for christmas i don't know me. it was from an anonymous person i have no idea i know but i'm pretty sure you knew who that my little pony Candyland game was from <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did get a, we, I, a day after Christmas. Amazon delivers a My Little Pony Candyland game, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I kind of knew who that was from. I did. It wasn't signed, but I, I kind of knew. Attach a card. I no. did. I forget to thank you for that, by the way. Oh, uh, you posted it on Facebook with like a look what somebody gave me. I hate her. <laughs> That's pretty much what I did. Didn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I haven't played it yet. Um, it will probably get donated. Spoiler alert, Candyland <laughs> is kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that My Little Pony makes it that much more exciting. Let's it's take <laughs> no shoots and ladders, Glenn, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know what else we got? We did get another game. We got Monopoly Ocala version. Believe it or not, Ocala oh has God. a Monopoly version. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It has some of the horse things in there and everything. I was really That's impressed. Beautiful. I'll be playing that before the My Little Pony Candyland game. I will say that. Um, Find some young child who needs. Uh, yeah, we're going to be if, donating yeah, like, that. Like Three year olds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you though for the thought. I really appreciate You're it. Welcome. All right, uh, so let's play a little song, and then we're going to come back with Justine from Heels Down Happy Hour. This is Templeton Thompson. Myself in a real bad situation. I'm so far in, I can't find my way out. Seems I've gone from bad to worse to desperation. And I prayed as hard as I can pray. I know help is on the way, but I'm in a dive and falling fast. Is it too much to ask? Please be something. From all the bad decisions that I've made Some folks say there ain't no second chances I've never lost my faith in your mysterious ways I know you'll help me 
what's in your hands I know you've got a plan You know what's best for me You'll send me what I need Please, please, please be Something with wings Guardian angel come to rescue me Love enough to lift me up Send me safely back down Well, that's Templeton Thompson with something with wings. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. And we are being joined by somebody different today, aren't we? Hi. Yes. Oh, sorry about that. That was, was that my cue? My yeah, bad. that was your cue. I <laughs> sorry. Hey, Justine, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Justine, of course, from Heels Down Happy Hour. Everybody knows this voice in Heels Down Magazine. Uh, what's happening in your world? Where are you? Uh, I'm actually at my farm right now. I just got done riding my horse, Mikey. But um, you guys also know Patricia, who's the CEO of Heels Down Media, which owns Heels Down Mag. She's down in Wellington already, and she's at the uh, women's or the Equestrian Biz- Business Women's Summit, um, which is being hosted in West Palm Beach. To- it starts today, which is really exciting. Have you guys heard anything about this event? So tell us what the Equestrian Business Women's Summit is. First of all, that's awesome that there's a summit for women. And second of all, even more awesome, it's for equestrian women. Uh, as a as a general rule, women are more competitive with each other. So this sound- sounds like something that's going to bring women together. Right. I, I was really excited to hear about it, too. So Jennifer Wood, it? Jennifer Wood is the founder um, and Jen Wood is a pretty, pretty much a household name in the equestrian world. As, you know, she came up as a journalist. She owns her own media company and does a lot of communications work uh, for some of the biggest events. And she saw a need for this for other businesswomen work, working in the equestrian industry to kind of come together and, and learn from one another learn how to launch and maintain a business in this industry, but then also learn how to balance uh, work with your life and your family and all, all those other things that um, that can be tough when you're a mom and, and trying to run a business. So we had Jen on the Happy Hour podcast a few weeks ago, which you guys can listen in, and she gave us a really great rundown of what to expect. Um, but Patricia uh, De Silva, or my boss, she is uh, speaking at the Business Women Summit today but she has a, a long list of really cool speakers that are professional riders and then um, professional business owners, all, all who are in the equestrian industry. And it just sounds like a super cool event. 
And I do know that they are selling digital tickets. So you can uh, buy a ticket to like watch the live stream today if you're interested to hear what they're talking about. That sounds really amazing. So do you know any of the speakers? Are you, you kind of painting with a broad brush? Like who are some of the equestrian speakers, like the riders? I know Lainey Asker, who's a four-star eventer, and she's a dressage rider. We've had her on the show on the happy hour show several times. She's speaking about social media, building yeah, brands. She, I was going to say, she <laughs> is the social media goddess for sure. Isn't she? Oh my goodness. She was already uh, sending Instagram stories of pictures of her with Elisa Wallace. So I think Elisa is down there too. Um, I know no- Noel Asmar, you know, from the clothing company is speaking. Uh, obviously Jen Wood will probably be speaking, but there's a long list and it's open to everyone. It's not just, you know, hunter jumper eventing people. It's, uh, people from polo, people from Western disciplines. It's, it's horses across the board, which I think is really cool too. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's so many women in the industry, uh, that have so many, you know, that's, what's amazing about horses is you can have a job in horses and so many different degrees. I mean, is this almost like giving people ideas? Like, kind of, could, be, could it be kind of a job fair kind of thing? I think so. I definitely think networking is a big part of it. And like you yeah. said, it could be, you could launch your own clothing company. You could have a supplement company. You could have uh, equipment or coaching or all kinds of things. It's, I mean, we are, you think of the horse world being as a small, close-knit, community, but it's really pretty big and there are so many opportunities. And I think a, a lot of opportunities for women too. Absolutely. I mean, it's opportunities for women because we're the squishy ones who love horses the most. I think (laughs) (laughs) we probably buy the most stuff for horses. I would think that's true too. Yeah, that's true too, for sure. Well, cool. uh, It's exciting that they're down there. There's a couple people speaking that I, I, Tracy Noonan, who I've heard do podcasts before, and you may not know that name, but she's co-founder of uh, wicked good cupcakes. And, and oh, I, yeah. I remember seeing her on Shark Tank when they first went on there, and they have taken that little tiny cupcake company to now a multi-million dollar operation. It's a huge success story. Get this. To date, Wicked Good Cupcakes reports sales of $22 million. Wow. So and that's cupcakes. Cupcakes. When they were on Shark Tank, it was this little tiny, I mean, they were cooking them in their kitchen, basically. They put pot in them or something? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and she's uh, in horses, too. She's a hunter-jumper and dressage and a, and a bunch of different things. So she's been in that. But uh, Beatrice, do you know Beatrice at all? And I can't, I, I'm going to screw up her last name. But I've heard of her. And she's doing the uh, one of the other talks. Um is it De Lavate? Uh, oh, I, I don't know. I'm going to butcher it just as bad as you. So that works for me. She has an amazing. She was a has an amazing story. She um, she was actually at the Brussels airport in the terrorist bombing in 2016 at the age of 17 years old, and is now wow. in a wheelchair. Um, and she was a horse girl from the time she was three, and it talks, you know, and she's had an amazing recovery. I, I love to get her on the show sometime. She actually played horse ball. You know, we've talked about horse ball a couple times. That's just crazy. Um, and she was a French National Club hunter, jumper, and dressage, and she's still doing her thing and, and uh, now going to the University of San Diego, uh, where she's a scholar athlete uh, from the wheelchair. So she has an amazing story. I'd love to hear her speak, and we got to have her on the show sometime. 
Well, oh my cool. goodness. And that's ekbusinesswomen.com, eqbusinesswomen.com. I mean, I know that there's probably some people listening who are like, I've never heard of this and I think I should go next year. Well, you can check it out at eqbusinesswomen.com. Well, cool, Justine. By the way, I don't know. Where is your farm and your horse? Where are we talking to you from? Um, I'm also in Florida, like Glenn, but I, I'm in the Tampa Bay area. Y'all in she's a, she's, Florida Do you weather. still have that real job? You still have a real job? I still have a real job, yeah, so I have yeah. to go to the real job shortly. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's a newspaper well, reporter. Oh, I that's am. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the craziest thing you've ever reported on in Tampa? And there are some crazy things in Tampa. Okay. Isn't Tampa oh, like man. the strip club capital of the world? It pretty much is, yes. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. We're very famous for strip clubs, unfortunately. <laughs> have you done uh, any exposés from the strip club? Uh, I have not, but it was a big deal when Stormy Daniels was here like six months ago. Um, <laughs> she made the round. She could stay in town for a month. <laughs> rides horses. But, uh, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, she's an eventer. She rides horses. No, she show, is Glenn. not. I swear that is true. She is an eventer. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why she had to do what she did because she needs funding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, but no, Tampa, I, I'm born and raised here, so it's fun to work for my hometown newspaper. Um, I my, my job's not super exciting. I used to cover breaking news, like fires and bad accidents and murders and all kinds of stuff. But Fun stuff. <laughs> it's been a while since I've done that. I cover healthcare now. Um, oh, that's boring. Yeah, boring and uh, complicated and expensive. But um uh, covering the hurricane last year, Hurricane Irma, I mean, it's all hands on deck in a situation like that. And it becomes a 24 hour news cycle. So I had to make sure my horse was okay. And then I was stuck at work for, you know, 36 hours just working. So, wow. Wow. yeah. Amazing. Well, cool. Justine, I'm so happy to talk to you. And I guess we're going to start talking to you more regularly. I think so. Yeah. I'm Perfect. thrilled about it. I, I, the last one of your shows I listened to was the um, radio song, and y'all just killed it, man. That was awesome. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we're job. a fun bunch for sure. Yes, and we've sure. got a really we got a really good episode coming out this week. So um, we have a fabulous guest, and I'm not I don't want to give it away, but we had a really good conversation. Uh, like my cheeks still hurt from laughing so hard last night when we were recording so See, that's the problem is i don't need any encouragement to drink and i think <laughs> that it could be unhealthy if i listen to your show too much but i'll give it a try okay <laughs> we'll really win don't worry yeah i'm sure that's the problem all right justine from Thanks, heels happy hour heels done back thank you very much enjoy your day in the tampa business healthcare world <laughs> thanks so much bye guys all right bye. thanks justine so are you are you bailing out on us now? Um, um are you I think I see here's the thing is my kid has lunch at ten twenty, which is in like eight minutes. So I don't think I'm gonna make it, but I also have the vet coming. Can I just give you a little bit of my vet drama before we get the next person on? Yes. So baby Zara all my horses got like some sort of weird virus something like a cold and the vet came out and she was like you know what they just need to run their course everybody healed except for baby zara and rocket so they were buckets of snot remember i had to call yeah. the vet on 
Christmas. And he's like, you need to get it taken care of. So I had the vet out to get it taken care of. She gives him one shot. And this is not my normal vet. It was an emergency, kind of like Christmassy type of vet because my vet was out of town. And so she comes out and uh, gives him a shot and leaves. And she calls me a couple of days later. I'm like, yeah, they look a lot better. Well, it turns out you need a second dose of that shot, according to my actual vet. Um, so then I have, so I have to have them come back out and it's not her, it's her husband's coming out. And cause now rocket and Zara are sick again. Ugh. And now they're coughing along with the, I, I fed rocket his green and you know, you put it in a bucket and it, I'm just, his stalls of panels right now. So he's standing in these panels and he, you know, they, you pour him the grain. You just love to watch him eat, you know. And I pour the grain in. It's like, oh, hi, Rocket. I love you. Like, pet its forehead through the thing. And oh. all of a sudden, he's like. <laughs> I was going to say he coughed right on you, didn't he? <laughs> oh, my God. I got painted in, like, half, mostly chewed up grain. And it came out <laughs> snot. It was, like, on my face. Like, down my jacket. It's so disgusting. So, anyway, I was like, that's it. Calling the vet, and so the vet is coming back out today to follow up because now what we've done is by only giving the horses one shot of exceed, we've created a resistance. So now we're gonna have to get more aggressive with the antibiotics to get Zara and Rocket over these colds. And on a side note, I'm gonna have Zeus ultrasounded because that jerk needs to go back to work, and I want to ultrasound the tendon and see <laughs> what's happening. Go. Please, God, be healed because I can't take it any longer. <laughs> You're tired of destroying the... Pr- you You need to get him back to work before he destroys the new barn when he gets in it. So, Oh, you know what he yeah. did yesterday? So we're getting concrete in the new barn. And so we had to put up an electric fence to uh, try to keep the horses away oh, from the barn. Electric fence with Zeus? Are you kidding? Oh, my God. He and Zara walked up to it yesterday and Pushed pinged it over. over it like deer. No, just <laughs> Oh, <pinged>. jumped it? <laughs> It's like three and a half feet tall. No, it and needs to be about five Zara. feet tall. <laughs> the other horses are like, what are they doing over there? That's so weird. So guess where Zara and Zeus are going to stay for about the next two weeks while concrete's drying in the running shed or the round pin. <laughs> like, y'all are jerks. <laughs> Just break everything. I can't have anything nice because of you. <laughs> All right. Well, J- Jamie's going to leave us, but don't you leave us because we have... I'm- an amazing, amazing. story. Sorry, I have to go, That's but okay. yes, I've got to go meet the vet. So, my Spain Nutrigal, love you guys. And Jemmy's going to jump in here. Um, we, Bye, Jamie. Bye, Bye Jamie. Jamie. Love you, Peanut. We have an amazing story and a warning for you all about snakes. Um, we have a friend of ours who I've, we've love seen. Snakes. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Well, you're not going to love this story. <laughs> um so we have Scott Johnson coming on, who's a fellow podcaster here in Florida. We've met him several times at conventions and things. And he does a show, and we're going to get... Let me get him on here quick. Say hi to Scott, and then we'll tell you about this. I listened to it this morning and said, I have to have him on, because this Hello. is... A, hey, Scott, how are you? Hi. Good. Good. Jimmy, uh, Jamie had to leave us, but Jamie's here. And you know hi. Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. What's up? <laughs> I want to make sure I can hear you okay here. Yep, I think we're good. Okay, yeah. good. Well, Scott, I just I just teased it a little bit. So mm-hmm. I've been catching up on your show. I've been uh, binging on it. And mm-hmm. Scott does a podcast called What Was That Like? Which, by the way, is a perfect name for this podcast because that's what it's about. He has people on that have been through some crap that nobody oh dreams God. that you would ever live through. Scott, I have some stories for you, dude. <laughs> 
Yeah, she Good. does we'll, actually. We'll talk. <laughs> she does. She can tell you a couple. But when you, when I got to the snake one and the snake bite one, I said, "We as horse people need to hear this story because of the twist." And let me tell you, you did a, you do such a great job setting the story. You must talk to these people ahead of time because you set the story up and you walk them through it. We have had, you know, we've had 9,000 guests on this show, literally. And it's so tough because they want to get to the end and they want to jump around. Do you actually talk to them ahead of time and guide them through it? I, I do give them a little bit of coaching ahead of time because, you know, you don't want them just to tell the story and be done in five minutes. Right. You know? I, I like that my my whole goal or one of my goals is to to really get to the raw human emotion in a story and because that's what people want to hear. That's what I want to hear. That's why I do that. Well, let me tell you, you had me in tears this morning. There's a tissue alert on this one. Uh, you know, and then because when the wife came on is when I just about lost it. Um, mm. But then it scared the crap out. I almost said the bad word. It scared the crap out of you, too, especially being horse people who come across rattlesnakes on a regular basis. Yeah. So... I, you know, normally I don't give away what the what the trick, you know, what the thing is that caused the problem, and I want them to go listen to your show. But as a public service, I think we need to tell them the 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 story here and tell them what to be aware of, don't you? I think as a public service, and then go sure. listen to the episode. But you t- yeah. you tell the story. Well, th- um, this was a, a about a man named Jeremy, and he uh, he and his wife live out in Texas. And they were just out in the yard one day cleaning up, doing some yard work, and actually planning to have a, a family barbecue later that afternoon. It was just a Sunday morning. And um, Jeremy heard his wife yell because she had she was working in the garden pulling weeds or clearing rocks or something. And um, she had un, uh, unintentionally come across a snake. And it wasn't just any snake. This was a western diamondback rattlesnake. And typically – you know, with snakes, if you leave them alone or just go the other way, they'll, you know, they'll, they won't bother you. But she had the position that she was in, she was kind of cornered by the snake and she had disrupted its sleep or something, but, um, and he was, uh, he was not happy and she couldn't get away from the snake without going past it. So, so she yelled for her husband, Jeremy, he quickly got a shovel and came over and chopped off the head of the rattlesnake. Apparently, so he was from like what the, the story, kind of man. Mm-hmm. well, yeah, he was. This snake was actually striking at her. It was she was cornered mm-hmm. against a wall, and this yeah. snake was not ha- woke up with a bad attitude and no coffee. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that it seemed at that point problem solved. Uh, but then a few minutes later, like 10 minutes later, she says, okay, I'm going to let the dogs out. Well, Jeremy knew that the dogs obviously would be attracted to this dead snake. So they, he didn't want them messing with it at all. So he figures, okay, I better dispose of it. Well, he went over to the snake and there, even though the head had been chopped off, there's still some kind of reflexive action that remains. And he reached down and before he could even touch the head of the rattlesnake, it had clamped onto his hand. And, and was, and, and he was immediately, he's trying to, and it, 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 you know, it locked in, it bit into his hand. And what's kind of, what's different about this is normally when a rattlesnake bites you, it will release a certain amount of its venom because it doesn't want to use up all its venom. It just releases enough to cause a problem, a big problem. Well, in this case, it was only the head and there was no regulatory function or process. So it released all of its venom into his hand and 
he immediately, obviously, he knew that this was a big problem. He called for his wife and What's really good is that his wife is a nurse, so she's kind of familiar with medical situations. I don't know how often she comes across snake bites like this, but probably not too often. But um, she knew he had to get to the ER pretty immediately. But, I mean, so they got in the car. They're headed down the road, and then they worked it out. They, she called 911, and they were going to meet the ambulance a couple miles down the road just to save a little bit of time for the ambulance to come to their house. And by that time, he was um, he was having seizures, oh uh, starting to lose his vision. Uh, he had internal bleeding going on. And of course, his hand was swollen up like, you know, all black and swollen. And this was, you know, very, you know, within minutes after it happening. Wow. So it's pretty pretty scary. Well, and then you know? you're going to hear the rest of the story. And the way you told this, I, you know, it's all when you're a host for these shows, it's all about the way the story's told. And mm-hmm. when you had the wife come in, that was brilliant, by the way, because that's <laughs> where the the heartstrings. That's where you went into your tissue box, right? Um, yeah. Is when she was on. It was, uh, Jemmy. I'm telling you, you have to listen to this episode. But the moral of the story is. <laughs> We've all, I've had to do it. I was weed whacking one day along a fence line in one farm, and I weed whacked right over a rattlesnake. And it was mm. about that size. It was curled up. I didn't see it. The weeds were tall. And, he, you know, obviously, I have a weed whacker in my hand, and I had the blade on it. So the, the more expensive weed whackers, you can actually put a blade. It's like a saw blade. Mm. And because I was cutting thicker stuff. And obviously, I had a couple of seconds to decide, do I run? You know, I had a, I had pissed him off real bad. I just sent a saw blade over his head, so <laughs> there was no choice. I had to cut that snake. You know, there was no, mm-hmm. it was him or me, and yep. but I didn't know that that head's going to stay alive after a while. So that's the moral of this story. Is this was ten minutes later, Jemmy? Wow. Ugh. And I, I've heard that it can be up to an hour later. Jeez. So. Never, never assume a snake is dead. I mean, I heard that cockroaches can run around for a little bit after their head gets chopped <laughs> off, but I would, I would much rather have that than this. this Co- a cockroach isn't going to send you to the ER. No. <laughs> oh no, and he almost died. This is a very serious story. This guy, he's he lucky he lived, actually. Oh, yes, very lucky. He was, uh, he was in a coma for several days, and during that time, there were three different occasions where the doctors came and told his wife, we're, we're not sure he's going to make it. Wow. Uh, you have to hear the story. And by the way, I, I wish you had asked him. And I was hoping for it the whole time. Uh, the host of me was coming out as I was <laughs> listening, going, please ask him what the final medical bill was. Because <laughs> snake venom is not cheap. It's very expensive. It is expensive. I looked it up just recently, and it looks like um, a, a dose is about $14,000. That's what I heard. And, you know, he had to have – typically a, a person gets two to four doses uh, to treat the, you know, to solve the problem. He had 26 doses and they still weren't sure he was going to make wow. it. Jimmy, remember we went to the place? On yeah, our, the reptile world. Yes. He went, a whole, he went on a whole rant about how expensive the venom is. And he said yeah. that it shouldn't be because he doesn't, he's the guy that actually has the snakes where he's, where he, what's it called? Milking them or whatever. Yeah. Um, where he gets the venom and then he sends it off it, and it all goes to Australia. Didn't he say it all comes out of Australia? It's a weird situation, but he said I don't know. I I do know this: the that a a dose of antivenom that costs fourteen thousand dollars in the U.S. in Mexico, they've made it so that the the government sees snake bites as a public problem, so they 
um, they subsidize it in some way. So that same $14,000 dose is 100 to $200 in well, Mexico. And this guy that does the snake thing, what did he say? He was so pissed, wasn't he, Jimmy? Because they rack, uh, it's the hospitals that rack up the cost. Right. Um, it's 70% of the cost is the hospital marking it up so that they can discount it for insurance companies. Right. Ugh. <laughs> you have to listen. To, everybody, you have to listen to this show. It is. Well, t- give us an idea of some of the other people you've had on and what they've done. Oh, the I heard about a hand glide incident. Ugh. Yeah, that's the, the current episode is a, a gentleman who went hand gliding in Switzerland. You may have even seen it on the news. It was all over the news. Uh, he and his wife went hand gliding, and each one of them had their own hand glider, and they each had a professional pilot because they never hand glided before. And so he and his pilot ran down the hill and got airborne. And that's when he realized he was not attached to the hang glider. This was in just way. in the news. I did see this. Oh, <laughs> he, horrifying. He was hanging by his hands. And uh, boy, and of course, obviously, I was talking with him, so he did survive, not without some injuries. But um, and the, the very first episode that I did was a uh, young lady in Texas who accidentally killed someone. Ooh. And boy, that's. Um, just that that was heart wrenching for your first episode. I listened to that. That was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That was brave, actually, to put that as your first episode. Because after that episode, I almost said to myself, and I don't know if you've gotten this feedback. I'm not sure I want to listen to this show because yeah. it was that hard. That I episode. know it was it was difficult, but I, I do have a variety. There was one guy who uh, proposed to his wife in court. And that was what, right it was after com- his divorce. <laughs> no, after his conviction for murder. You're right. No. Actually, his, his girlfriend worked in the courtroom. And so he got her co-workers and even the judge was in on it. So he arranged to have a couple of deputies bring him in as if he was a prisoner in shackles and everything. Oh my God. And he comes before the judge and says, you don't have to question me. I'm guilty, guilty of being in love. And, and the whole thing's on video. And oh this God. woman was so surprised she could hardly breathe she was so surprised but that's you know i have a mix of of really tragedy stories and really happy stories too. i listened so. to the pizza guy today too and that's a story yeah. that made the national news too that everybody heard about mm-hmm. how do you you just track these people down and ask and they say sure i'll come on well i when i first started doing the show i had the idea for the show i made a list of situations that people that i want to talk to you know somebody that's been struck by lightning somebody that's won a million dollars in the lottery somebody that's fallen off a cruise ship while it's underway you know those kind of things but and and some of those people i have found and but then uh other ones yeah i see them in the news and i track them down and i say hey why don't you come on my show and cuz in in the news you might get a two or three minute soundbite but yeah. with me i i've got the chance we got no time limits i can go into and have them really tell their story in detail jemmy which one of your thousand life-threatening stories would you you would have to we'd have to think about that make a list well i mean you go with the actually you go with the low-hanging fruit the 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 golden glory of stories for me is my my trip to europe where i lost half my lung <laughs> that's that's true that's true. I think that wins. Yeah, in the French <laughs> hospital. <laughs> and you get to throw the French under the bus, too, at the same time. Every, wow. I know. That's not my motivation. It might be yours. But <laughs> yeah, that wins every time. You go in to get your appendix removed, and you lose half a lung. I mean, come on. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of the, I left my heart in San Francisco. It's kind of exactly, a variation. Exactly. That. Except I don't think they make songs about what happened to me. She left her lung no. in Paris. Yeah, it doesn't rhyme as well, you know? No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you do another show too, which I listen to. Can give a plug for that quick. 
Um, yes, my primary business is computer servicing, computer repair. So I do the Computer Tutor podcast. That's every other Monday. And uh, that's all, you know, computer tips and tricks and scam alerts and stuff like that. But I'll tell you, this new show I'm having a lot more fun with. I bet. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> less dry. And do you mm-hmm. get do you get to the point? We've had some guests on that J- Jamie and I just have a tough time getting through. Um, you know, because it's tragic. Do you have a tough time? It doesn't sound like you do. You're so you're so steady. And Jamie and I are like type A's, and you're like steady. Um, well. Do you have a my show time? is edited, so. <laughs> so your crying is taken out. I go through. Oh man, I get especially the you know the first episode with the lady with the you know that killed someone. I you know I got that chokes me up. I don't know. How you know you got what? I that. I've listened to that episode uh, probably four times just because I just love it so much. You did a great um, job with it. It just is heart wrenching. It is. It is. And the, like and there's another one where. Um, a lady with her family, her husband and, and his parents, or her parents, were at the Las Vegas shooting and were able to escape. And in the middle of that show, I got some of the 911 calls that happened during that. And, oh, boy, it just it just pulls your heart out. Oh, and then there's Josh, who I listened to yesterday, I mm-hmm. think, who had his leg amputated. That was, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you got to be prepared when you listen. I have to be in a mo- certain mood, to be honest, though, Scott, when I listen to mm-hmm. your show. Well, I'll tell you what, when I, my goal is when you're looking down your phone at all the sub- podcasts that you subscribe to and you're looking at which ones, cause you know, you can't, I don't have time to listen to all of them. You got to cherry pick sometimes. I want people when they see a title of my newest show to say, Oh, I have got to hear that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, moral of the story today is as you're out in the farm and out and about and you, because you have to chop the head off a snake, um, don't <laughs> assume the snake is dead. Because it's That's right. not. Um, That's right. Uh, and stay- if you if you do happen to get bitten, it's you know a common thing is oh I, somebody's got to suck the venom out. Well, they yeah. say don't don't do that. No. Just stay calm, keep the bite above your heart level, and just get to an emergency room as soon as you can. Like fast. They ended yeah. up flying that guy. Um, yes. Right yeah. He was he was in bad shape, so they they flew him in. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, in, in reality, in the there's like six thousand snake bites every year. And only like 10 people die from them. So it's really a very small percentage. As long as you can get help quickly, uh, that's, that's the big thing. The hard part for all of those people is paying the million-dollar hospital bill after. That's, that's, <laughs> well, thank you. Good job on that, Scott. Yeah, Terrific job. Will we see you at PodFest? Yes, I'll be there for Yay, sure. good. Well, we'll Yay. see you in a couple months then. Thank yeah, you so much, yeah, Scott. Be- it's called What Was That Like? Is it whatwasthatlike.com? That's the website, and it's on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast player, or at the website, whatwasthatlike.com. you got to listen. you got to give it a try, everybody. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, All Scott. Right. Well, uh, I hope that makes you actually want to listen to the podcast, because it's really good. I mean... Whoa, that'll wake you up. I mean, you'll never stroll around your house, apartment building, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and listening to the guy describe it and what happened when it actually latched on, you have to listen for that. And then the wife, oh, uh, 
He's lucky his wife was home, actually. Listen, but... I like, I mean, rattlesnakes are awful. I'm not going to downplay rattlesnakes, but thank the Lord living in Florida that alligators aren't the same thing. Can you imagine if alligators, you chop the head off? First of all, bit. you are not getting your shovel through that skin. That's, that's true. That's not happening. This is true. And you know, the guy was actually said, I like snakes. I love snakes. I tried to shoo them away, but this, you know, this particular mm. West, Western diamondbacks are apparently known for being especially aggressive too. Oh, so uh, there's that. But I knew that you'd appreciate that story. You actually had snakes, actually, uh, oh at one point, right? Didn't you own snakes? I, I did. I owned two of them, but they were not of the venomous variety. <laughs> you never got bit? Never, never bit, yeah, bit Well, you? I got bit plenty. I mean, you know, you know Why? me up my face and everything else's face. We have <laughs> a couple I of... I don't know if you stood us the auditor page. We have a, we have a couple of lit auditors, uh, Samantha, who owns snakes, and she was cooking the other day with a snake wrapped around her neck. Honestly, once you get bit once, um, it's 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 fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Terrific. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Tomorrow is Mary Kitzmiller Day. Mary and Jennifer will be here talking training, so definitely look for them then. We need really bad ads. Um, we need you definitely to send in some really bad ads to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. So get busy, people. Uh, we, we were a little short last week, so we definitely need about 10 to 15 more. So if you get a chance to get on Craigslist or Facebook, uh, send those ads in to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. And we'll announce some new prizes this Friday as well. So that's what's happening the rest of the week. Thank you all. And don't forget to listen to our show. This is your Finding Florida. <laughs> and by the way, guys, spay, neuter, geld. Oh, look at you. FindingFloridaPodcast.com. 